Hi, I am Tingen, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to the Parents in Tech Book Club. In each episode, we summarize lessons and takeaways from two best-selling parenting books so that you can save time, get your dose of parenting advice, and get back to our families and careers. The theme for this episode is developing and nurturing our children's minds. We examine two different books by New York Times best-selling authors Daniel J. Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, in which they deep dive into the why of our children's behaviour and how they can reach their full potential. The first book is titled The Yes Brain, How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity and Resilience in Your Child. And the second is titled The Whole Brain, 12 Revolutionary Strategies to Nurture Your Child's Developing Mind. The first book takes a practical approach, distinguishing the yes brain from the no brain, and then categorizing yes brain characteristics into four fundamentals. Number one, the balanced yes brain. Number two, the resilient yes brain. Number three, insightful yes brain. And number four, empathic yes brain. The book includes strategies and ideas for implementing these fundamentals. The second book provides a science-based explanation of how a child's brain works, dividing the brain's integration process into five concepts. Left and right brain, vertical and horizontal integration, memory integration, self-integration, and self-integration with others. Twelve tactics are provided on how we can implement some of these concepts. So, what will we be discussing in the next few minutes? We will summarize the key takeaways from each of the six topics. Number one, understanding the child's brain. Number two, balance. Number three, resilience. Number four, insight. Number five, empathy. And number six, memory. Act one, understanding the child's brain. Both books take a neuroscientific approach to child's behavior. The authors describe the brain's main division into its left and right hemispheres. The left side is the rational and logical side, also known in the books as the mammalian part of the brain, the upstairs brain, or the yes brain. Then, the right side is more related to emotions, non-verbal signals, and creativity, also known as the reptilian or primitive part of the brain, or the downstairs brain, or the no brain. We need both sides to work together and be integrated, so a fibre bundle connects them in our brains. Research suggests that an integrated brain, where both the right and the left come together and work well, is the best predictor of overall success. Now the right brain is the no brain, also known as the reptilian brain. It makes split-second survival decisions, allowing a child to be defensive against potential threats. Humans developed this side first because we lacked the ability to use logic, cross time, and communicate effectively with words when we are young. So it is our responsibility as parents to help our children to develop the other side of the brain, the left side, and teach them how to use both sides in an integrated manner. This is referred to as horizontal integration. A key concept behind this, yes brain, is neuroplasticity, which means that the brain is like a moldable plastic and that the actual physical architecture of our brain changes in response to new information and experiences. Our experiences and interactions create new links and connections in our children's moldable brains. The goal 
therefore, is for us to mold our children's minds to achieve what we call FACES. FACES is an acronym which stands for flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable. Flexible means the ability to bend without breaking. Adaptive means the ability to adjust to different conditions. Coherent means being able to form a clear and logical view of things. Energized means having vitality and enthusiasm. Stable means firmly established, not easily upset, and not likely to give up. These are the characteristics of an integrated, interconnected brain, in which its many parts work together as a coordinated and balanced whole. To achieve phases, we should expose our children to ideas that promote these characteristics. For instance, while reading with our children, ask them to explain why a character was sad. This will train their brain to ask such questions and make connections in real life, resulting in an empathetic child who will investigate causality and better comprehend the world around them. Act 2. Balance The first foundation of brain development that both books introduce is balance. The authors define balance as a state in which the child's emotions are under control. This is the first order issue because all the subsequent tactics we will discuss is contingent on balance. There are numerous factors that can cause a child to lose this balance. As parents, it is our responsibility to co-regulate them, which means guiding the child back to balance while also teaching them the skills to help them stay balanced in future and in an independent way. The Yes Brain book discusses the different types of dysregulations, which are hyperarousal, also known as the red zone, which is the tantrum state, or hypoarousal, also known as the blue zone, which is a lethargic state characterized by slower breathing, floppy posture, and a lack of eye contact. In between this red zone and blue zone is the balanced green zone. One of the strategies addressed in this book is to teach the child that if he or she feels like he or she is leaving the green zone, they should place one hand on their chest and the other on their stomach. Hold the hands there for a few moments and simply breathe. The child may not have considered that he has the ability to pause and reflect on the decision that he or she is about to make. The whole brain child then recommends connecting and redirecting as another strategy to achieve balance. We can help children navigate their emotional waves by connecting with them and making them feel felt. This can be accomplished by making a comment while also displaying empathy through facial expressions, a compassionate tone of voice, and non-judgmental listening. This will help our children calm down and deal with the situation more rationally. It does not imply abandonment of boundaries and discipline, but rather it relieves the emotional overload in order to redirect their thoughts into something that's more logical and rational. A similar strategy, known as linkage and differentiation, is discussed in the Yes Spring. The linkage part is similar to what we just discussed on connecting and redirecting. But the differentiation part is what brings balance to the parent-child relationship and allows the child to develop as an individual. Differentiation entails establishing boundaries that make our children feel safe while also holding them accountable for their actions, which includes making things right and engaging in appropriate repairs. 
regular sleep and a balanced schedule that allows our children to explore through free play are also important factors in maintaining balance. Don't overschedule your children and do allow them some free time. To achieve balance, remember the healthy mind platter, which includes seven factors that should be included in our children's schedule. Number one, goal-oriented focus time. Number two, play time. Number three, connecting time. Number four, physical time. Number five, time in quiet reflection. Number six, downtime. And number seven, sleep time. Even as parents, we can benefit from keeping a healthy mind platter. Act three, resilience. The writers of the Yes Brain addresses the concept of resilience, which translates into how much your child can withstand without leaving the green zone of balance. The whole brain child complements this with the concept of mindsight. Mindsight is understanding our own brain in order to better understand others. Resilience and mindset can be defined by three components. Insight, which is understanding your own mind and is the capacity for self-awareness and self-regulation. Empathy, understanding the mind of others and allowing us to see through someone else's eyes to sense their emotions. And integration, linking differentiated parts of our brain so they can work together, whether that means in the individual brain or in relationship with others. It's a way of sensing and making sense of the inner thoughts we all have. Resilience and mindsight teaches children about the wheel of awareness, how to recognize the difference between what they feel and who they are, how to focus their attention and how to return to a balanced state. Some of the strategies covered in the books include teach children that emotions pass, teach children to pay attention to sensations, images, feelings, and thoughts that they might have. Share with children that they have control over how they think and feel. Increase your child's resilience by not rescuing him or her when it isn't necessary. Instead, simply be present with him or her. Allow your child to lean on you if the challenge is simply too great and may even be traumatic to face alone. But otherwise, give them the space to figure things out. And last but not least, educate your child on how to deal with failure and how to see success as a process. Be sure to communicate the appropriate messages about how rewarding it can be to take reasonable risks and how failure is acceptable. Assure your child that he has at least one person in the world, preferably you, who can be relied on to make him or her feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. This will promote resilience because your child will be more likely to take risks if he knows he can count on you to catch him if he falls. And it will also allow you to learn a lot about him and form a strong bond with him. Act 4. Insight As defined in the Yes Brain, insight is the ability to look within and understand yourself. This understanding will help you realize what you're feeling. Insight is a vertical integration process in the brain. This integration is well explained by the whole brain kit. Now consider the brain to be a two-story house. There is an upstairs and there is a downstairs. The downstairs of the brain is more primitive. It's responsible for basic functions such as breathing, automatic reflexes, and powerful emotions such as fear, anger, joy, and excitement. 
whereas the study and the library upstairs allows for more light and allows you to see things clearly and make good decisions. The ideal is for our children to be able to reconcile logic and emotion, face challenges, and learn from them. So we must assist our children in building an imaginary staircase connecting the two levels of our brain. Among the strategies for achieving this integration are the player and spectator strategy. While you view or experience, you are simultaneously the player on the field and the spectator in the stands. Now this is even though you might be more aware of your player role, as this is the role that receives more stress. As a spectator, you can choose to notice everything that's going on and gain a more conscious and complete perspective of the situation. This will allow you to pause and consider the most effective action to deal with the problem in a calm manner. This tactic is especially useful for parents, and as our children grow older, they will be able to use the spectator's inside approach as well. But now you can start laying the groundwork. Engage, not enrage. Ask your child for more specific language to describe his or her feelings when he or she is about to become unbalanced. Request that they come up for a solution that works for everyone or begin negotiating. To make this strategy work, make sure to use the connect and redirect strategy described previously, where first you have to establish a base of trust and empathy. Use it or lose it. Give your child a variety of options to choose from. It can be as simple as asking a young child what colour shoes they want to wear on a given day, or as complex as allowing older children to make difficult decisions such as whether to buy a video game now or save their allowance for a new bike later. They must then deal with the consequences of their decisions. This tactic is called reframe pain and choose your sacrifice in the yes brain. Because pain presents us with a choice, we can teach our children to reframe things like pain and sacrifice as a cost-benefit analysis and decide if it's worth the fight. Don't save them, even if you know their decision will make them regret it later. But you can, however, assist them in predicting possible outcomes. Rate Volcano Eruption This strategy is based on teaching your child to listen to their body and recognize their physical sensations. For example, assuming that your child hasn't eaten in a few hours, as their blood sugar level drops, they may begin to act out. Before teaching him insight, get him or her some food, and after he or she eats and calms down, ask him or her if they noticed if their behavior had been out of character, and help them make the connection between not eating and feeling grumpy. This will give them better understanding of how food affects their body. Move it or lose it. If the child is nearing the breaking point and you are unable to connect with the upstairs, their logical brain, then get them moving to help them integrate their brain. Act 5. Empathy Empathy is a me-we connection, or an integration of the self and others. Empathy is unique because you do not need to become the other person and fully internalize their struggles in order to understand and empathize. Instead, you retain differentiation, which means you remain separate from the other person. But you can process their feelings to the extent that you can understand them. Children may require assistance with empathy and the ability to perceive the needs and perspectives of others. The whole brain child informs us about the fascinating discovery of mirror neurons. 
in response to the actions of others, our brains are stimulated. For example, when we see someone crying, we usually cry as well. Our bodies react to other people's emotions as if we are a reflection of them. We can help our children develop empathy by nurturing this innate wiring. And this helps our children to sympathize and empathize with others while retaining their identity. It is also critical to ensure that your child does not overdo empathy. While it is important to teach them how to connect with others in an authentic way that fosters genuine care and empathy, if you notice that your child is pleasing others at the expense of himself or herself, you should teach them to stand up for themselves more. Now here's how you can help your child develop empathy. While conversations about empathy are beneficial, your child will most likely learn even more from how you treat him or her. Understanding and reducing their pain is the most effective way to teach them to empathize with others. Spending time as a family, having fun, playing games, and enjoying each other's company will also cause the brain to release dopamine, a reward hormone, and your child will learn that connections are fulfilling. Assist your child in getting inside their heads by asking them questions such as, what do you think your friend is feeling right now? And why is he upset about what happened? How can we assist? Allow your child to experience his or her own pain to a reasonable extent, and they will gain insight to their own pain and better understand the pain of others. Conflict as a means of connection. Use previous strategies that we have discussed to teach them and recognize other people's perspectives and viewpoints, as well as to understand nonverbal cues through role-playing and to repair relationships after conflict. And finally, teach your child words that will help him or her communicate with others more empathetically. Empathy should not be limited to loved ones and friends. Instead, you should broaden your child's circle of concern by teaching him or her to think about people in general, while also emphasizing self-compassion. Of course, by being empathetic yourself, you are teaching your children to be empathetic as well. Act 6. Memory this topic is only addressed in the whole brain child, it is important to mention that memories are tricky. Children do not simply forget traumatic events and we must help them understand what happened and help them process how they feel about it. Because the hippocampus part of the brain stores memory with an emotional overlay, our memories coexist with the feelings we associate with an event all the time. Children make associations between what has happened in the past and what may occur in the future. The issue is that memories are not stored chronologically and are not accurate to the actual experience. If we do not assist our children in integrating painful memories, their emotions may manifest through their behavior, which can be perplexing for both them and you. It's also worth noting that what's a difficult memory for a child may appear harmless to you. The writer's strategies are as follows. Repetition of memories. Retelling a traumatic experience may be beneficial, but our child may be uncomfortable with it. To alleviate the discomfort, we can tell the child that he can use an imaginary remote control to pause, rewind, and fast forward through different parts of the story. They can use this technique to gain control over an unpleasant memory. Keep in mind, however, that we will eventually have to assist them in retelling the entire story including the unpleasant parts. Remind oneself to remember. 
In our story, we try to include as many happy and memorable moments as possible. Encourage your children to remember and recount both major and minor events. Perhaps you can persuade them to create a memory book or journal. It may be easier for children to interpret what is happening now if they can draw on what has happened in the past. And in addition to the previous strategies, make it a habit to have daily family conversations so that children can share their daily experiences and recollections. Ask open-ended questions to get them thinking and to encourage them to share more than a yes or no answer. To conclude, parenting isn't always easy. We frequently hold ourselves and our children to unrealistic expectations because we expect a child's brain to function similarly to ours. Daniel and Tina have shared important information about how the brain works, as well as great techniques that we can use to help our children connect with their unique inner spark. This will enable them to deal with problems, devise solutions, and more importantly, accept and empathize with others without losing their sense of self. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.